and then hopefully good wins over evil. And it doesn't happen like that at all. Uh, the New World Order is going on your whole life long, incrementally. It was going on through your parents' lives incrementally and their parents' lives before them. That's the technique that was decided to be used on a lot of the Western countries by the Fabian Society. The Fabian Society, that were funded by, again, the big foundations, especially the Astor family that came over from the States to run it and fund it. Uh, the husband becoming Lord Astor eventually uh, knew back then where they were going to take it and how long it would take to change the U.S. and Britain. Back with more after this break. through the matrix I haven't really talked about this latest uh, scam really of uh, a supposed terrorist coming in to the US without a passport apparently and having explosives strapped to his thighs that's what they're telling the people and being photographed the whole way someone had a, made a film of him the whole way nothing makes sense here it sounds like one of these training exercises that the CIA told us they were doing at the very beginning of 2001 and it doesn't make any sense at all except except for the new equipment they want to install everywhere you know the type that sees through all your clothing and all the rest of it and to give them more and more powers to basically subjugate you and train you into being a good subservient slave because all, the, all these things that they're doing to you are humiliating beyond belief there's big money behind it too Big, big money. Same with the CCTV cameras that are all over the countries now and all over Britain. Big, big money involved in all of this. So it's to their benefit to always make sure that something appears to happen once in a while. But as to the validity of this latest one, it sounds too crocky to be taken seriously by me. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Now, I've often talked about Canada being basically a communist country for this for a long, long time. It certainly took off uh, in the times of Ch Pierre Trudeau, who was, in 1952, um, the head of the Comintern, Communist International for Canada, and he led off the delegation to Canada, to Moscow. And again, that was omitted by all the newspapers because they, they were all in on the big, big, long agenda plan with being in the CFR and everything. But they didn't bother telling the public, and things really radically changed after uh, the time that he was in as Prime Minister of Canada. But even before that, you had Lester Pearson and others that helped draft, draft up the United Nations Charter with the help of Alger Hiss, and they were all technically communists. But don't forget the CFR will consort with communists, dictators, whatever, according to Carl Quigley as long as they're all on board with the same world agenda. They don't care who they mix with or who they take on board, and they're often mistaken for, the, for communists because it's the same agenda, basically. It's the same agenda of a world run by an elite deciding how many shall get born, running it to the needs of the world society uh, with population numbers, and literally a plan 
society. It won't just be school to work. It'll be school. It'll be from the womb to work, basically. Once they get into high tech and can program you for different jobs, and actually breed you for different jobs, that's the real, the real vision of the, the utopians like H.G. Wells and others that belong to the Fabian Society. But in Canada, they're being they're so wonderful here, and they've had such a massive campaign for many, many, many years from the CBC and all the other uh, news radio stations how wonderfully multicultural we are, even though all the different cultures tend to live in their own segregated areas because they tend to like each other's types, basically. They like their own culture. And uh, they have statues of Lenin up in different parts of Ontario, for instance. I'm sure he's elsewhere. And Matsu Tung. Uh, I saw one of them when I was given directions to a house in, in Toronto and had to pass through a park to get to it as a shortcut. And there was a statue to Matsu Tung in the park paid for by the city. I thought, well, that's different, I suppose, you know. Um, this guy eradicated millions of people, millions just through starvation alone, but they always do that when they come into power in communism. And uh, today's paper, today they're on about another uh, one being put up in Vancouver, and this is from the Vancouver Sun, and it's um, from December the 27th, actually. It's also a PR for a couple of guys uh, who are getting handouts from the government uh, under the, the guise of being artists. Uh, I should mention, too, you see, Canada runs, everything in Canada for, for its culture industry runs on grants from the government. Whether you're a novelist, a screenwriter, um, you make little widgets or gadgets for, 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 for home craft, anything like that, or you're a painter or whatever, you take grants from the government. It's just totally socialized. And that way, too, you're always politically correct, and you're told what to produce, basically. Even the novelists are told what to wrap up in their stories. And now, of course, is the greening agenda on how bad the parents were, and they're all guaranteed sales because the government's backing them with the, with the money. In Canada, if you're in a radical group, and you must be classed as radical for radical change, you can get grants from the government to be radical. So you can protest the government to demand the very changes that the government wants you to demand. How's that for a deal? Isn't that wonderful? But anyway, from the, the Vancouver Sun, on the 27th, it says this, uh, a public art installation depicting Russian communist leader Vladimir Lenin and a feminized chairman Mao Zedong in the heart of Richmond business district has the whole town talking. Well, I'm sure they're not talking that much because it's mainly Chinese that live there. It says, so when I went to the gym at 5.30 this morning, uh, all the people were talking about it, he says. Richmond City Councillor Derek Dang, who saw the piece for the first time Wednesday, said people just can't believe it. The large stainless steel sculpture, must have cost a few bucks, a stainless steel, is part of the Vancouver uh, Biennale, a citywide celebration of public art to be funded by the taxpayer. Uh, the, the piece uh, says it's called Miss Mayo, Max's wife, I guess, trying to poise herself at the top of Lenin's head. So you see a little statue on top of Lenin's little cap, which is interesting, uh, trying to balancing her, herself there. The 
art, of course. And as part of a citywide celebration of the public arts, it says here, the Beijing-based brothers Zheng and Quang Gao uh, were the, the artists. They are highly political installations which provide which include provocative depictions of Chairman Mao, are sometimes shut down by the Chinese government, and their studios have been raided in China. But it's okay they can get grants to do it here because the taxpayer is so kind and generous and basically doesn't have a say in where their money goes. <laughs> so they put this piece up there. Uh, mind you, they've put up worse in the past, to be honest with you. And again, it's great publicity for them. No doubt, but interesting little depiction, and it's interesting. They've got the wife of uh, Matsu Tong balancing on the head, standing on a little cap of uh, Lenin. Interesting. I'm sure there's a lot more symbols on there than people will ever understand. And also because of that nonsense that happened at um, with that supposed terrorist coming in and waiting to blow up the plane, and never ever did it. Uh, maybe wanted a safe landing first or something. Um, everyone going to, to the States now for a holiday or to visit their relatives are getting held up because of the extra, even extra security rules. And that's in, uh, under the um, Yahoo News, in fact, today. RCMP may speed up pre-flight screening, but new Ottawa rules cause havoc and hold up. Because now the carry-on luggage has to be totally, either thrown away altogether or put down these very, very small bags that are all searched. And if your bags are too big, they send you back into other queues and you miss your plane, and so on. They love this stuff going on, you know. But I really don't believe this, this guy was a true terrorist at all. It, it will bring in all these super-duper... You're already getting X-rayed there. So you're getting bombarded with X-rays, which you tell you're safe, even though X-rays are accumulative in their power. The more you get, it accumulates. And you're bombarded with electromagnetic radiation. And now they're going to bombard you with the next thing that will look through all your clothing. And meanwhile, they still want to pad you down between the thighs, mind you. Mind you, they can get folk for that these days. There's a lot of strange folk out there. And I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. And it's interesting, too, to see how they can make the jokes of Matsu Tung in China and get raided but come to Canada and uh, get rewarded and get uh, grants to put up the little statues and live off the public purse. But why not? That's what Canada apparently is for. Here's what they're doing in Britain. What used to be in one time in China, you'd get your head off for saying anything at all about a leader. Here's Britain, and it's the Mail Online. A photographer questioned by police under anti-terror laws uh, for taking too many pictures, right, of Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Who, who, which is a totalitarian country, China or Britain? And this is December the 2nd, 2009. An amateur photographer taking pictures of Christmas lights was questioned by police under the anti-terror laws. Andrew White from Brighton was taking pictures in a busy town centre near Burgess Hill when he was spotted and followed by two police community support officers. They stopped him and asked him why he'd been taking pictures <laughs> what a dumb thing here you are you're taking pictures of why are you taking the pictures eh? and asked if he was a professional photographer uh, Mr. White asked why they wanted to know and was told it was to do with counter-terrorism legislation this 
said he was stopped for taking too many photographs in a busy shopping area. Too many photographs. Right? So let's compare it with China and what's happening in Britain. I mean, as I said, maybe those two guys, as I say, two guys who are making their money by getting grants from the Canadian government to, to put statues of Mao Zedong up. However, with a little joke on the top as well. But here's what they're doing in Britain. You can't take photographs of Christmas lights. How, how did they put up with this nonsense? And now they're sacking DJs who didn't want to listen to the Queen's speech and cut it off on their show. All getting fired. Back with more after this break. through the matrix just mentioning how at one time they'd off with your head in China if you criticised the leader and here's what's happening in Britain they're sucking DJs it says here this is Yahoo News and it's today's it says DJ sack for pulling the plug on the boring queen I guess her speech she gives it once a year you see a Birmingham radio presenter or presenter has been sacked after he pulled the plug on Queen Elizabeth II's traditional Christmas Day speech, telling listeners it was boring. Tom Binns has lost his job at radio station BRMB after a number of listeners complained over his interruption of the monarch's traditional December 25th broadcast to Britain and the Commonwealth. Two words, boring, he said on air, as he stopped the broadcast before quipping from one queen to another, as he put on Last Christmas by pop duo Wham!, featuring openly gay singer George Michael. He's a comedian too, obviously. His bins explained that the incident occurred after the Queen's speech, a decades-old tradition still watched by millions of Britons and others every year, came on at a point when he had expected a regular news bulletin. I was working on my own on Christmas Day. I'd even let myself into the studio. After the guy before me finished, we should have taken the news from Sky, and then my show would start, he told the Chortle Comedy website. Instead of the news, we got the Queen's speech. I knew it shouldn't be there. See, not all the stations play it, you see. And I guess his was, but, but, but it was already starting to play when he came in. So, but having never, never heard it before, I didn't know how long it was going to go on for. I'm not trained to make editorial decisions, but I decided to, to get rid of it and make a joke. So I said two words, boring. And then it went into an old riff about how people say the royal family are good for tourism but the French beheaded theirs and people still visit France before queuing up the Vam song, he said. He added that one listener got really angry. He sent me a message saying I should be sent to Basra and hoped I'd get killed by a roadside bomb. But other than that, almost all the texts we received were in support of what I've done. The radio station's parent company, the Orion Media Group program, said the DJ's comments were inappropriate, adding, we do not condone what he said in any way whether said in jest or not. Uh, Tom will not now be featured again on our radio stations, said his program and marketing director, David Lloyd, quoted by the Birmingham Post. So the guy is fired. Fired for basically saying something was boring, which I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Uh, that's what they do in, in Britain now, if you, if you just 
make a comment on something that, you, that you're not supposed to, you see. All, all this strangeness about Britain, there's things you're supposed to be and things you're not, you're not supposed to be, is, is so politically correct that it's, it's, it's unlivable, to be honest with you. If you can't joke about the craziness of things, uh, then you have nothing left. You'll be utterly despondent if you can't at least joke, at least joke about how crazy things have become. It's interesting that the United Nations, remember, was set up to become world government, is now going to go into gold production, bullion coins, as they've helped crash the rest of the world's economy on cue uh, with the cooperation of all the big world bankers who basically are the guys that comprise the World Bank. And it says here from the examiner.com, uh, December 15th, United Nations to produce bullion coins as world currency. Announcement by the UN this week that it will license the minting of silver and gold bullion coins bearing the UN logo may be the button that launches metal prices into orbits. In its wide-ranging report this fall, the UN Conference on Trade and Development stated that the system of currencies and international banking practices within today's economies were inadequate and responsible for the present economic crisis. The report advocates that the present monetary system, when the dollar acts as the gold reserve currency, be re-examined with urgency. Then they floated different ideas of what they wanted to do to replace the American dollar as one of the main trading currencies of the world. It's interesting that this falls right in line with, with George Soros' statement. And I'll put these links up on my website too, remember, at the end of the show, but George Soros also uh, talked about that when he was in Copenhagen, that the International Monetary Fund would start printing currency uh, to, to loan out to the supposed poor countries. Interesting. And they also said this was part of the ongoing Bretton Woods Agreement. Remember, I said that never stopped. We're in part two now. As they eliminate the old currencies and bring in the new, and the UN with the IMF and the World Bank will be in charge of it all. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Getting back to this gold idea, and it's from the examiner.com, where they're talking about the United Nations coining gold and silver bullion. And they have a picture of a coin that President Medvedev uh, handed out, the Russian president handed out to the last G8 meeting, and it was printed, it was actually minted by Belgium, and it's uh, got unity and diversity in one, I like the dive part, I'll take a dive eventually, diversity. And, and then it says United Future World Currency on it. It goes on to say the UNCTAD report was the first time a major multinational institution had forwarded such a suggestion or measure, although a number of countries, including Russia and Brazil, have supported replacing the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Now, remember, 
let's jump back a bit when they were doing the GATT treaty. Uh, it was all decided then uh, that the dollar would take a dive and be re- replaced eventually with some other currency. They also mentioned that the total unification of Europe with the euro coming into the play for oil would also replace the dollar. So like, nothing is a surprise today except to the general population. This is all done by, by the collusion of your, your leaders over the last three different governments that have been in. So nothing's a surprise. It was all planned this way. I said here, uh, China's central bank chief, Zhu Chiuchuan, has mentioned that the dollar could become a basket of currencies instead. The UN Commission dismissed such a widening, saying a multiple country system may be equally unstable and not transparent. The panel is seeking more monetary balance for developing countries and as a means for them to retain the reserves and domestic savings independent of foreign agencies and arrangements. Panel Chair U.S. Economist Joseph Stiglitz, a Nobel Economist uh, Economics Laureate, was made, has made plain that there was a growing consensus that there are problems with the dollar reserve system. Now, listen to this. Developing countries are lending the United States trillions of dollars. Developing countries, right? are lending the United States trillions of dollars at almost zero interest rates when they have huge needs themselves. Well, if that's the case, why is the U.S. then giving back the money to the developing countries hmm? through all these different uh, green treaties and all the rest of it? It's such a farce, isn't it, as they pass them your cash around? <laughs> uh, it says here, it's indicative of the nature of the problem. It's a net transfer, in a sense, to the United States, a form of foreign aid. So, so technically, the U.S. is on foreign aid, and they're getting foreign aid to give out to third world countries. A report contributor uh, that left Coffee concluded that replacing the dollar with a bullion currency would solve some of the problems related to the potential of countries running large deficits and would help stability. Why doesn't the U.S. just cancel all the debt and, and, and do what it was supposed to do in the beginning and, and coin its own? Hmm? Oh, you can get killed for saying that. Sorry, sorry, forget I spoke. U.S. Fed spokesperson Patrick Paulson acknowledged that there could be some strong reaction in the U.S. to the global currency and that it would be viewed as a step towards a new world order. Well, no kidding, eh? But these same people have probably lost patience with the money changers as well. Oh, really? It's made up of the money changers, because IMF is the same boys. He clarified that he would nonetheless anticipate that the Western currencies will continue to depreciate given Asia's ascendancy in trade and manufacturing to find their own value. In other words, the dollar is to plummet and find its own value somewhere down, down the hill somewhere and enable their economies to compete. So once we're down to about the, the, the value of the peso, we can then start competing with China, I guess. That's the idea. Now, here's what he says. This is a UN prerogative we cannot and should not control. It's returning to what we had with Bretton Woods. You see, that's when they took a body off the gold standard in the first place. It's returning to what we had with Bretton Woods. This is Bretton Woods Part 2, when the UN will be the only country that will then mint uh, a united currency for the planets and to be dished out by the IMF the world government the UN decided to provide a public option savings currency whereby currency mints will be licensed to mint two kinds of bullion coins the size of the one pound coin it says here 
the the Uno silver five pounds or five dollars, and the Oro, which is gold, five hundred dollars would be. The names were adopted from the book The Humanist, <laughs> which foresees the UN being better funded by 2015 via via its license and fees expected to be 10 to 15 percent. The coins have a marker chemical in them that enables their authentication and processing by modified retail ATM and exchange machines in Europe, which will be distributed globally. They put it all planned out, don't they? They always do, though. Probably had it planned out at Bretton Woods Agreement, the first one during World War II. Any licensee, public or private, can produce such brilliant coinage under contract. The UN is doing no more than what most countries do already, except that the value of its coins will reflect their bullion weight. So there you go. Everything's always arranged in advance, and it's never it's never done by the people. It'd be quite the last to hear about it, and it's done by the special people who are presented to be elected by us all, who belong to the CFR and a whole bunch of other international organizations and this was from the Telegraph when I was talking about George Soros mentioning the same thing uh, this says here Copenhagen Climate Summit George Soros urges the use of IMF gold for green loans now he's just a front boy for, for the Rothschilds that's who set him up George Soros the billionaire investor has suggested that the International Monetary Fund should use $100 billion or £62 billion, that's, that's the British pounds, of gold reserves to back green loans from rich to poor nations. That was December the 10th, 2009. He says, um, this is again a Copenhagen climate meeting. Mr. Soros weighed into the Copenhagen climate change talks this morning, explaining that the not sufficient money offered by developing nations to help out developing countries is threatening to wreck the talks. He claims to have found, he or he's found a way to bridge the gap, yeah sure George, between the two sides calling on the 192 governments at the summit to listen to his proposals. Mr. Soros believes that the developed countries should hand over, listen to this, developed countries should hand over their special drawing rights, international foreign currency assets distributed by the IMF, as loans, just hand over that to, as loans to help poorer nations tackle climate change. Developing countries would pay interest and eventually the whole loan, but in the event of default, some would be backed by the IMF's gold reserves. Do you ever wonder where all the, all, all the, the money from from Fort Knox went to, all the gold went to. You know, it was never explained to any public what happened to the gold. And and then it took everybody off the gold standard. It was amazing to watch that documentary uh, a few years ago when the bunch that found the Titanic used the same equipment, took the North Sea route from uh, the U.S. and Halifax, Canada, across to Greenland and then to the Soviet Union. This is a trip to, to, to supply the Soviet Union all through the war with arms and equipment. But also took ships of gold bullion. And they actually found a couple of the ships and they found these massive crates of gold bullion. Some still intact, some of the crates were bust, but they were just pulling bar after bar and whole crates of bars up 
that was never mentioned to the public. That's where your that's where your money all went to, to the Soviet Union. That's why a few thousand people could flee the Soviet Union as it was, it was uh, as it was changing into its next part of the phase to merge with the rest of the world, with multi millions of dollars and billions of dollars. FDR too, he made it illegal to use gold coin at the time. He told you you had to hand it all in. Yeah. Then eventually, of course, he shipped it off to Russia. So anyway, source goes on to say here, developed countries, uh, governments are laboring under the misapprehension that funding has to come from the national budgets, but that's not the case. They have it already. It's lying idle in the reserve accounts and in the vaults of the IMF. By the way, the IMF is a private corporation that works with the UN. The Prime Minister Gordon Brown, another Fabianist, has suggested a $10 billion emergency fund for developing nations rising to $100 billion a year by 2020. I guess it will come round because by that time what's left of us in the western world and especially in Canada and America the states will be, will be a third world or called a developing nation maybe maybe they'll allow us to be a developing nation unless, instead of just a stagnant nation but China and 137 emerging economies went up to 1% of global gross domestic product or $600 billion a year starting as soon as possible, causing tension at the summit. Why are they still classing China as an emerging economy, as producing everything uh, and manufacturing everything for the entire planet? And it was set up by the Western governments through the GATT Treaty. And every taxpayer funded for their own factories to go over and set up in China. We fought the taxpayers as part of the treaty. The taxpayers of each country of the West would fund the setting up, the transportation setting up of those factories in China and pay the losses, any losses incurred during the first 10 years. And the public were told nothing at the time, nothing at all. And there's probably more Billionaires getting created in China at this very moment than they were ever created in the history of the U.S. They're still calling them a third world country. So they get $600 billion a year from the first world countries because they're an emerging economy. It says the $10 billion fund is more than nothing uh, but not much more because of the magnitude of the problem Mr. Soros said, criticizing Mr. Brown's proposal. It's not sufficient, and it's already becoming apparent there's a gap between the developed and developing worlds on this issue that could actually wreck the conference. Why? When, when did they put it into anybody's constitution except the Marxist ones about the redistribution of wealth? Just the Communist Manifesto. We've all lived through it. And only a few saw it happening. And when the U.S. and everybody else was over and fighting in Korea and Vietnam and everywhere else, they shouldn't have been. It was all happening within their own governments back home. 
and they're still there. Anyway, it says, the billionaire investor was met with a receptive audience, of course, you know, amongst non-governmental organizations. That's all these parallel government ones that are funded by guys like George Soros, you know, and then the foundations. But the U.S. is understood to be reluctant to consider such a plan because it would need congressional approval. Well, hey, that'll be no problem. He said, I did have some informal discussions with the U.S., and while there's sympathy for the plan, uh, the difficulty of getting congressional approval has been emphasized, he said. He says, the best use of the money would be to look at reducing emissions from agricultural, forestry, and land use because they offer the highest potential for cuts. So, where is any of this ever mentioned? When folk are running for elections. When? The big things are never mentioned. Jobs, 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 social security, healthcare, you know, that's what you hear. That's what you hear. Interesting this one too, the Wall Street Journal, December 29th. Despite subsidy, cobras bite stole stings for many. The government is expanding a massive safety net to help the unemployed buy health insurance. Now they've got to buy it in the US, you see. But millions of people can't access the aid because of the way the program was designed. As a cornerstone of the economic stimulus plan, the administration of President Barack Obama allocated $25 billion to pay 65% of health insurance premiums for workers laid off this year. Earlier this month, Congress extended the program for people laid off through February 2010 and expanded the aid to 15 months from nine. But the program is eluding many people in need. It's because it's tied to the narrow parameters of COBRA, the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 1985, which President Ronald Reagan signed into law to help people cope with layoffs. Cover requires companies with more than 20 employees that already offer group health insurance to continue the insurance for former employees for up to 18 months. But insurance costs under COBRA have gotten so expensive that many people can't afford even their unsubsidized 35% portion. Meanwhile, millions of workers don't qualify for COBRA in the first place because the law doesn't cover the self-employed or those working for companies that abruptly shut down or are too small or those that don't offer health insurance to begin with. The subsidy also is off-limits to individuals who have been unemployed the longest. Only those laid off since October 2008 are eligible. You know what it is, too? Has Wall Street taken over uh, the last part of, the, of uh, an uncovered industry? Healthcare. Wall Street's doing it. The insurance companies are taking it over. Who do you think lobbies the government for, for insurance, uh, mandatory insurance for, say, cars, for instance? At one time, it was, it was voluntary to have car insurance. It was lobbied by the big insurance companies in Wall Street. And bang, they got the law passed. And what happens? Then up goes the insurance. Well, you've got to have it. It's a law. And it, there's, there's no hold on they just keep upping it and upping it. Same thing with the healthcare thing. Believe you me, it's the same con that's going on right now. Same con, the takeover. And when you bring in the socialized healthcare, and I've seen the RAND reports to do with how they can cut back from the present cost 
the Rand Corporation did was look at Britain and to see where it cut all corners. You don't get all the tests that you get in the U.S. for different diseases for a start. You don't get those. You don't get a lot of the, 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 the operations available that you can get in the U.S. You can't get them in Britain. You can get a vasectomy quite easily or an abortion or, or uh, you can have your, your tubes cut and tied quickly because it's a political agenda when, when politics runs your health care. Back with more after this break. through the matrix and we'll go back to the phones uh, is, is Lark from Texas there hi Alan how are you not bad well I must say this is the first time I've called into your show uh, tonight I heard you mention for the second time that I've heard you mention it uh, Pierre Trudeau and his affiliation with uh, the third international or yeah. the yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah he was the leader for Canada yeah. that's interesting uh, I re recall I'm about your age I, I recall uh, the British invasion in 1964 mm-hmm. and I remember as a little kid I said to myself of course this come, came on the heels of the JFK assassination mm-hmm. I said to myself you know this really is a British invasion mm-hmm. because I've been working on a theory for a long time that the USA has never been a sovereign republic you're pretty well close to the truth yeah I think if we go back uh, to, uh, um, I'm curious, are you, have you ever heard the book Legion, Legions of Satan, Jonathan Williams, 1781? Uh, I think I've heard it, I haven't read it though. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it's even available, but uh, you can, of course, uh, hear references on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, keywords, Regions of Saturn. Oh yeah. But... Uh, you know, a man of your uh, uh, obvious knowledge and um, brilliance, I, I, you know, I studied branding and marketing and mimetic, mimetics for a few years. Yeah. And that's just the only reason I called. I know you have to wrap your show up. But I would just love to get involved in some kind of a mastermind group because, you know, it seems to me that there should be a way to be able to truly drive a message mm-hmm. such as you posit such as many people posit but I, I suspect that uh, Americans in particular are, are so brainwashed that they, they uh, have difficulty assimilating so much information and so uh, you know so many words you know that were, you know Americans you're, you're right last uh, I think last week I read a report on uh, a study done on data just the data and how the average American probably more than any other uh, person of any other country is bombarded with more data than anyone else on a daily uh, process and it literally confuses them and it stops them from really thinking in depth in any particular area you know uh, and you know in marketing circles they they have little buzzwords uh, 
you know, much of marketing in America emanates from Edward Bernays, of course. Yeah. But uh, uh, those words are sticky. Mm -hmm. And what fascinates me about memetics is that we can think of memetics uh, in terms of a meme being a unit of cultural information. Mm -hmm. And we can think of its propagation in nature and comparing it to genetic transfer of material in nature or biological transfer. Yeah. And it seems to me that a person like you would be so invaluable to a group like that. And I, I must say that I really think that there has to be a way to be able to cut like a knife, as you yeah. say, cutting through the matrix. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually working on stuff to do with that very, that very area, in fact. And I'll hopefully I'll have it out this year, this coming year. If you ever need someone to collaborate with you, I would love to, if uh, that was ever possible. Sure, give me an email and I'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah uh, Manny, Manny knows how to reach me at RBN at the board. Okay. But and, so you can uh, give me an email anyway, but that's the music, so I'll have to really cut it uh, short now. Very good. But thanks for calling. Uh, from Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God. Where God's go with you.